Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. They're the in crowd. We're the other ones. It's a different kind of cloth that we're cut from. We let our colors show where the numbers ain't. With the paint where there ain't supposed to be paint. That's who we are. This is the Mike Keller Show. That's how we roll. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Keller Show. Now, here's Mike Keller. I will get high. Man, they had all this mixed up. What is going on here? What in the name of era? There we go. Oh. Bob uh, Brainerd and KB were in the studio, and uh, they had the microphones all mixed up. That's why I sounded like I was in the well. All right, let me get this one situated here. All right, here we go. All right, uh, let's uh, begin again in three, two, one. Good afternoon, Milwaukee, good afternoon, Madison, good afternoon, Wisconsin. This is a Hellerless day on the Mike Heller Show. I'm Ted Davis, otherwise known as the voice of the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm pinch hitting today. And we open today's show with a question. And the question is, what do the 2018 Milwaukee Brewers and my colleague John Adias's college dating history have in common. Great. And the answer is, they often don't score at all. <laughs> and on that note, I bring in the one and only John Adias. Hello, John. That's <laughs> pretty accurate. Hey, fellas. What's up? What's up? What happened to Columbia? If you don't know... John's heritage is from Columbia. Your parents are from Columbia, are my, they not? My dad is. Yep, my dad is. Yep. Your dad Your dad is from Columbia. And so Columbia is in something called the World Cup. This is a soccer tournament, right, John? This is a soccer tournament. It's very popular every four years. And uh, they're the favorites in their group. And in about the third or fourth minute of the game, there was a shot on goal. And Columbia got called for a handball which is a red card, which is an ejection, which is also a penalty kick, which resulted in a penalty shot for Japan in which they scored, and Columbia had to play the rest of the game with 10 players. Well, I don't want to hear any excuses. The bottom line is that <laughs> Columbia lost today to Japan, and if I read it correctly on Twitter, and since it was on Twitter, it's got to be true, Columbia now becomes the first South American team in the World Cup to lose to an Asian team? Is that correct, John? Uh, that, sure, I don't know. That could be correct. <laughs> it sounds right. Why not? Let's go with it. Oh, and in your rap last Friday, yeah. which, by the way, John, I had not heard you rap, that was pretty good. Well, thank you. I Yes, it's a thing. Apparently, I do every Friday now as I rap on the radio. 
Yeah. So you were rapping on Friday when I was in filling in for Heller, and at the end of it, you rhymed Columbia with insomnia <laughs> when you predicted that Columbia would win the World Cup. That is going to be a tough prediction to hold up to because I also heard during the broadcast, I was watching this, Ted, that like something like 12% of the time, if you lose your first match, you advance in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. So that's not a good stat. to. Yeah. No, I think they're done. But you know how it is, John. Dreams die hard. That's all I can say. Dreams die hard. Let's see. A couple more matches to go. So what do we have on the program today? We have a uh, a Brewers team that didn't score again last night. Uh, I called it punchless in Pittsburgh. And the Brewers have now been shut out 10 times this year. They either seem to score 12 or 13 runs in a game or nothing. So what's the deal with that, John? Why can't they hit somewhere in between and just score four or five runs occasionally? I don't know. I mean, we're going to talk about this in the Big 3-3. But, Ted, did you know one-third of their losses this year have been shutout losses? Ten, right? Yeah, that's got to be pretty concerning, right? A third yeah. of your losses, you don't even put up a run. You don't even give yourself a shot. And yet they'll play Pittsburgh again tonight and maybe score 10 or 12 runs in the game and yeah, win. Probably. Yeah, And you won't be worried about it anymore, even though they have lost three in a row now and tied with Chicago for the division lead. Uh, as part of the program today, Uncle Ted is going to pull John Adius next to me and have him sit next to the font of wisdom known as Uncle Ted, and I'm going to dispense marriage advice to young John Audius. So, John, make sure you have a pad and paper ready to take notes with a pen, okay? Okay, yeah, I'll be ready for that. All right. Yeah. We're going to have a segment. Can't wait for this. That literally pukes. Yes, I said it. We're going to have a segment that literally pukes. Now, in radio... You normally don't want a segment that pukes. That means it's a bad segment. <laughs> it's an old puke sound bite we had on the show, so why But not? we are going to have a segment that literally pukes, and it, it it's based around the, the poor Brewers pitcher who on Sunday barfed on the back of the mound in front of 40,000 people. It's based on that premise, and we'll get to it a little bit later in the show. And I heard you two yesterday talking about Shaquille O'Neal stories because Shaq is a part of the golf tournament that they're having this weekend in Madison. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. He tees off at 836. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, uh, he's going to be uh, part of the musical act on Friday night, DJ Shaq. You know, he rapped back in the day when he was in the NBA. You should join him. You should get up on stage and rap with Shaq. That would be awesome. Um, and then I guess he's going to come out to the golf course. I'm not sure what he's going to do, but people are going to look at him and he's going to stand around. I'm not sure what his role is, but I think he's going to be out there on Friday. Okay, so I heard you and uh, Mike yesterday. Uh, Mike had a Shaq story, and so I, I was inspired by that. So I will have not one, but two Shaquille O'Neal stories, two Shaq stories from my time in the NBA on the program today. So set the DVR, set the VCR, whatever you've got to set to to get the two Shaq stories because you don't want to miss them. I just want to meet him, Ted, by the way. I just want to stand next to him so I can have some sort of perspective. So I can tell people, yeah, I stood next to Shaq. I came up to his kneecap. You know, that's all I want. Yeah. Uh, Well, I think you will enjoy both of my Shaq stories. Nice. Coming up at, uh, well, later in the program. All right, Ted Davis with John Adias. That means we have to do the three at three, so hit the button that you have to hit. 
This is the Big Three at three. The top three trending sports stories this hour. Number three. You know, longtime NBA writer Chris Sheridan. I think he actually had one of the first LeBron stories when LeBron went to either Miami or back to Cleveland. I think he was the one that had it like the night before, like, mark my words, he's going here, and it happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, this is his latest on Kawhi Leonard. He says, there is a zero percent chance the Spurs trade Kawhi to a Western Conference team. He doubles down and says zero and he has a column on it and he lists all the teams and what their odds are and what they'd have to give up and then at the end under the field he lists a couple of teams including the Milwaukee Bucks and here's what he says if Popovich Buford are dead set on sending Leonard to one of the least desirable places possible weather wise then the Milwaukee Bucks could be in play. I expect the Bucks to move Eric Bledsoe and Jabari Parker because Giannis does not enjoy playing alongside those two. But Pop probably doesn't want guys like that on his team either. I saw that tweet, and it did raise some eyebrows. I mean, you see that, and you go, okay, this is an established national NBA writer who is coming out with this opinion. Now, I was around the team every day, on the road, at the arena for home games. I didn't see any outward signs that Giannis and Jabari and... Giannis and Eric Bledsoe did not get along. I didn't see any of that. So I can't speak from that standpoint. I didn't see it. I'm not in the locker room all the time. I'm not at practice every day. So I I can't speak from that part of it either. Uh, But, you know, I mean, Eric Bledsoe is going into the last year of his contract. And Jabari Parker is going to be a restricted free agent. So that might come into play. I don't think Kawhi Leonard is coming to Milwaukee. I don't know that the Bucks have the assets to get Kawhi Leonard to Milwaukee. Given his injury last year and whether or not he's actually healthy again, and the attitude that began to surface with San Antonio last year, where he missed basically the entire season, when the Spurs doctors were saying, he can play, he's healthy enough to play. And yet Kawhi Leonard was going to his own doctors and was apparently getting another story. And then the relationship between he and Popovich has been split. And Budenholzer, the Bucks' new coach, is a Popovich guy. So would he want to bring in a guy who just split with his mentor, uh, Greg Popovich? I just don't see him coming to Milwaukee as being possible at all. I don't think it's feasible. Now... When this whole thing came up and Kawhi Leonard said, I want out of San Antonio, which, by the way, the Spurs hardly ever have this kind of drama with their players. You go back to Tim Duncan and David Robinson and Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker. I mean, those are solid guys that have been there for a long time. Uh, when When I saw that Leonard wanted out, my first thought was, they're not going to trade him to a Western Conference team. And in particular, they're not going to trade him to the L.A. Lakers unless the Lakers are willing to give up Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, maybe Lonzo Ball, maybe a boatload of draft picks to go to San Antonio, and I'm not sure they're going to give up that much to bring in Kawhi Leonard on the chance, the off chance, that they could get LeBron and Paul George to come there too. That's a lot to happen to give up that much for one player, and if you don't get those other two, then you've just got Kawhi Leonard and not much else. I I think if the Spurs trade him, I think they will look first to trade him to an Eastern Conference team, but I don't think it will be the Milwaukee Bucks. That's so one of the, that's. Yeah, I was going to say that's one of the things, Ted, that kind of confused me. Like, why, if you're the Spurs, why would you say, "Oh, yeah, go to the Lakers and create a super team"? Just another right. team that we'd have to get past in the West. 
It right. Didn't now make we've sense. got the Rockets. Now we've got the Warriors. Now we've got the Lakers. Yeah, sure. We're going to help you out in that regard. Yeah, it always made sense that that would be an Eastern Conference team that Kawhi Leonard, if he got, I mean, so bottom line, he's going to get traded, right? I mean, that relationship is to the point where there's no doubt he's going to get traded. It's just whether or not he goes to the West or East. I think that's been, I think they're split in in their relationship. Now, they're supposed to have a meeting at some point before the draft. And the draft's on Thursday. The NBA draft is on Thursday. So this has to happen fairly quickly between Leonard and Greg Popovich. And I think what the Spurs want to hear, and they haven't heard this from Leonard himself. They've only heard this through his representative, his agent, his people, whatever, that he wants out. I think what the Spurs want to hear is Kawhi Leonard sit down in front of the GM and the coach and say to them, I want out. So once they hear that, I, I think they'll make a trade relatively quickly if they can. But they're in the position of having the strength here. They can let this thing linger for a little while and let Leonard just sit there for a while and try to get the best deal possible. But again, I, I don't I don't think there is any way that he would come to the Milwaukee Bucks because I'm not sure they have the assets to pull that off at this point. Side question real quick on Leonard again. Is it kind of odd? I find this, nobody's talking about this side of the story, that there's a guy that was so disgruntled with his team that he basically said, I'm not playing. And then that's the guy that people are okay with bringing on their team. Like, oh, we're cool. I think that's a red flag. And for the Spurs, their option would be, okay, if we keep you, do we sign you to a $200 million plus contract? They max him out at over $200 million when you've just shown us this kind of attitude it was it was a weird weird mix in san antonio last year because of Kawhi leonard i think they want to wash their hands of it and beware bringing in that kind of a player because if he showed that attitude in san antonio he's probably going to have that attitude on your team too Eventually, all right that's yeah. number three let's go to two number two all right number two in our big three th- three uh i saw this tweet by gil brandt nfl.com the former uh was it gil brandt the former GM, right? He was the, uh, the the lead talent scout for the Dallas Cowboys forever and ever and ever in the Tom Landry uh, era. Okay, there you go. And he put out his his greatest NFL quarterbacks of all time list. Now, Packers fans, there is no Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so number one, is it ridiculous that there's no Aaron Rodgers? And number two, let me run down the list real quick. Jim Kelly, 16. Drew Brees, okay. 15. Okay. Tarkenton, 14. Warren Moon, 13th. That's interesting. Number 12, Bradshaw, Sammy Baugh, 11th, Troy Aikman in the top 10. Uh, number 9, Marino. Number 8, Favre. Number 7, Unitas. Number 6, Staubach. Number 5, Elway. Otto Graham is 4th. Joe Montana, 3rd. Manning, 2nd. Brady, 1st. Uh, to not have Rodgers in the top 16 is ridiculous, in my opinion, and I like Gil Brandt. I respect him. I actually did a radio show with Gil Brandt for about three football seasons when I was working in Dallas. We did a Dallas Cowboys postgame show for the station that carried Mavericks games at the time, so I worked with him every Sunday. He knows a lot about football. He knows a lot about talent, but I just think he's he's off on this one. To not have Rodgers in the top 16 is ridiculous. He's better than Warren Moon. I think he's better than Fran Tarkenton. Sorry, John. I know yeah. that's a Vikings that's okay. thing that's tugging at your heart. I get it. Uh, we never saw Sammy Baugh play a different era of football. We never saw Otto Graham 
play. Uh, but I would put Rodgers in the top 16 easy. I would take Moon out. I might take Tarkenton out. So how can you not have the guy who I think is the best quarterback in the NFL now not in your top 16 all time? I really I don't mind his top three with Brady, Manning, Montana. Mm-hmm. Um, I would put it Marino at nine. I'd put him higher on the list. But if you're going to include Autogram and Sammy Baugh, why isn't Bart Starr on the list then? Why don't you drop Warren Moon and somebody... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should, too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Else and put Bart Starr and Aaron Rodgers there. Well, see, now you're getting greedy. You want three <laughs> Green Bay quarterbacks in the top 16. Don't you think they deserve to be there? <laughs> Starr was winning, but I don't know that he had the, well, I don't know. I don't know that he had the, the credentials with the passing numbers that some of these guys have, but it was a different era of football. They ran the football more then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's why it's tough so, to put some of those other guys on there, because it is a different era. Yep. I don't know. That's anyway, it. I'd have him in the top 16, certainly. All right, that's number two, number one. Number one. Number one in our big three at three is this. So we mentioned it earlier. The Brewers got shut out last night. Now one-third of their losses this season, they're 42-30, and 30, I believe, one-third of their losses have been shutouts. Is that a sign of concern for the rest of the season that the Brewers are going to struggle with this all year long? Well, I think it's puzzling. Uh, Ten times you don't score a run in a game, and yet you've had these nights where the offense just bust out in a big way. Um, what they score against Philadelphia? 13 runs in one game, and then they had more than 10 runs in a couple of more games against the Phillies this year. So the offense is capable of putting up big numbers. But all of a sudden, they go into a complete power outage. It's puzzling, because I don't know how to explain it, except what does Mikey Baseball always say? Well, that's baseball. It's baseball, yeah. I guess those things happen. I mean, this is a team that got shut out. I want to say, I had the number earlier this year. I think it was seven times last year. And that was a team that down the stretch, right, they struggled scoring. scoring. That was part of the, the reason why they missed out in the playoffs by just a game. And so to see the moves with Yelich and Kane and, and to, to then see them already surpass that number, 
I mean, it's it's puzzling. I'm not sure exactly if this is something that makes or breaks them, but I I don't. Here's what I don't want to happen, Ted. Like I can see at the end of the season, like it's getting down to crunch time. Are they going to make the playoffs or not? And you look back and they have like 15 shutouts losses, and you're like, man, if only they could have. I don't know, one one or two of those. Maybe it'd be a different you know, look at the standings at this point. Like, I hope it doesn't come down to that where you're like, man, if only they didn't lose one nothing to the Cubs at one time. Here's one other thing to think about. Let's say you don't win the division, which is possible, because I still think the Cubs are going to win the division in the NL Central. So now you're the wild card, right? So you've got to play that one-game play-in, and you have one of those nights where your offense just shuts down. You're punchless, and all of a sudden you're done. You could be done in one game because you have one of those nights where you just can't score. Yeah, it's a good point. Good point. Yep. Um, when we come back, I want to take on the media a little bit. And I'm in the media. So I might be taking on myself, too. And I might be taking on you, too, John. So get ready. Oh, no. I'm just taking on the media. And it involves what Phil Mickelson did at the U.S. Open over the weekend. And I'll explain why I'm going to take on the media in just a moment when we come back. I'm Ted Davis with John Audius. This is the Mike Hellerless Heller program today. I'll take on the media next. edition of the Mike Heller Show. Ted Davis, pinch hitting today. I'll be here with uh, John Audius until 6 o'clock this afternoon. I can't believe I m- mixed up the microphones at the beginning of the broadcast. Did you catch that, John? Did you realize I did that? <laughs> yeah, I was really confused. I didn't know what was happening. I thought we lost I didn't either. You. Here's what I'm, I'm looking at. I have four microphones within arm's reach of me. And normally they're kind of set up in a normal way where this one leans over here and that one goes over there. But they were all like mixed up. And I don't know what KB and Bob were doing in here, but they were just tangling their microphones. And I started talking into the one that was right in front of me and it was across the room. So I don't know. I I mean, I get it. KB was hosting today, so he didn't know what was going on. So he must have just (laughs) grabbed a microphone like, I don't know, what am I supposed to do here? So I could see that happening for sure. Yeah, kind of sputtering out of the gate here, but uh, now we're back in stride, and uh, here we go. All right, um, I was watching the U.S. Open on, uh, I guess it was Saturday when that happened. Yeah, it was Saturday when the whole Phil Mickelson thing happened, and I didn't see the Phil Mickelson thing happen. I had no idea what he had really done. I just sit in my big comfy chair in front of my big screen high-def TV with my remote control in my hand, seven steps from my bathroom and my kitchen, and I start listening, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, my goodness, what did Phil Mickelson do? And they keep talking about it, and they keep talking about it, and what Phil Mickelson did, and what do you think about Phil Mickelson did? What do you think? What do you think? Going around the course. What did, and I'm thinking, what did Phil do? Did he take his golf club and bash somebody over the head? What, what heinous crime did he commit? And they still weren't showing what he did, and it went on and on. And I'm beginning to think, my gosh, Phil Mickelson is going to need a presidential pardon to get out of this. What in the heck did he do that was so bad? And then they showed it, and I was like, well, okay. Well, you're not supposed to do it, but okay. Is it the worst thing that anybody's ever done on a golf course? And they just kept going back to it and back to it. And that's... 
they were just overboard on it, I thought, anyway. John, were you watching when that whole thing was going on? And at some point, were you saying, oh, come on, let up on Phil? No, I actually, I was golfing, and somebody pointed out to me on Twitter, and I was like, that's weird. And then, the next day, I found out, oh, it's not just weird, it's like the worst thing that's ever happened in the game of golf. And I was kind of shocked by the reaction. And so when I saw like a poll question from the Dan Patrick Show, I put out a poll question. Heller put out a poll question yesterday. Anywhere from 60 to 70% of the people, Ted, don't think it's that like big of a deal. Like, okay, yeah, whatever. Thank you. Yeah, it's weird. Thank you. But there is that media percentage that do make it a big deal because, well, they have the big microphones. Have you, know? you noticed, and I guess I have to include myself in this and maybe you because we are media, but have you noticed how ridiculous we are in many circumstances now? We get so wee-weed up, and that's the word I'm going to use, John. You might want to write that down for later. We get so wee-weed up over stuff that really doesn't matter. I saw what Phil did, and I kind of laughed at it. I thought, you know, if I played golf and I don't, I would be very bad at it. And I might be on a course where I hit a hole where I just, I'm knocking it all over the yard, and I get so frustrated that while the ball is rolling, I just give it a whack, you know? You play golf, John. Have you ever wanted to do that? Uh, yeah, plenty of times. In fact, this past weekend, uh, I... I had kind of a tin cup moment, not going over water to a green, but just trying to use a club that I can't hit that well. But every once in a while, when I connect, it's pretty good. And I hit it out of bounds. I said, I'm doing it again. And I hit it out of bounds. I said, I'm doing it again. And I hit it out of bounds. And I said, I'm doing it again. Yeah. So, yes. So, I think Phil did what we all have done or want to do on the golf course at some time or another. And the media just could not let it go. Once they get that bone in their teeth, they, they're just like a pit bull that ain't going to let go of it. Well, did you hear what, uh, what Mickelson said about for those who are offended? Well, he basically said... Right, uh, screw off. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not that enough. big a deal. Here, here's what he said. If uh, somebody's offended by that, I, uh, you know, I apologize to them, but uh, you know, toughen up because this is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is not meant that way. It's uh, just simply, uh, I just wanted to get on to the next hole, and I, I didn't see that happening at the time. I'm that's gladly it. gladly take my two strokes and, and move on. Yeah, that's it. Toughen up. Too bad. Oh, I just thought Fox was ridiculous. But this happens in the media, and I, there's an example of this in the news today. And it actually happened on Friday, but it involves an NBA broadcaster, a guy I know, a guy I respect. His name is Brian Davis. No relation, by the way. We are not related. There are a lot of Davises across this country. We are in no way related. He's been the uh, television play-by-play man for the Oklahoma City Thunder for the last 11 years and, in fact, came with the team from Seattle. He had been on their broadcasting team before uh, they moved to Oklahoma City. And late last season... Uh, during a game, this is while the game is going on, Russell Westbrook made this great pass, and Brian Davis says, wow, Russell Westbrook is out of his cotton-picking mind with that pass. Well, here we are in today's 2018, 24-hour-a-day, waiting-to-be-insulted uh, culture, and all of a sudden it blows up. The PC crowd gets on him. You can't say that because they said that was racist. Uh, Brian Davis in no way meant that to be racist. He's not a racist person. He said it on the fly when the game was going on, and now he's lost his job. They're not saying it's because of that, but I think it's because of that. And so this is where we are in 2018. You have to be so careful with what you do and what you say. And, you know, I'm, I've, how many times, and I, I'm not saying this, I haven't said this 
in a long time, but I have heard other announcers say this. So what other things are now off-limit to broadcasters? Have you heard, John, somebody say that a coach whipped his team into shape? Uh, Plenty of times, sure. Yeah. Can we not say that anymore? Because does that have the same connotation as guys out of his cotton-picking mind? Uh, Can you say, have you heard a broadcaster say, well, because of his recent play, the coach has him on a short leash? Have you heard that? I have heard that. Yep. Can you say that now? Is that no longer allowed? Because that connotates slavery and chains and that kind of thing. This is the kind of tripwire thing we're living in now, where when you're live on the air, you have to be so careful with what you say. And, John, when you're doing play-by-play for the Badgers volleyball or women's basketball, are you going to now be in the back of your mind thinking, Okay, is everything I say potentially going to get me in trouble? In a way, I am, but that's where we are. Uh, sometimes I, I have to stop myself and try to think of a different way to say things. Yeah, for sure. It's it's happened. And by the way, I, as I said, I know Brian Davis, he, he doesn't have a racist bone in his body. He didn't mean that to be racist, even though it was taken that way. He issued a heartfelt apology at the time it happened, the team suspended him for one game, took him off the air for one game. He accepted that penalty. He apologized to the team. He did everything that you think you need to do, which is to say, I didn't mean that to be racist. I apologize. I, If you're offended, I, I did not mean it that way. And yet now he's out after an 11-year career with the Oklahoma City Thunder. And this is all part of this thing where we make such a big deal out of everything, which takes me right back to listening to what they said about what Phil Mickelson did and just kept going on and on and on. But that's what we are. We're media, and we're we weed up 24-7. When we come back, NBA draft is Thursday. Matt Velasquez of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel will be covering the draft. We'll talk to him about... Uh, the Bucks pick at 17, and maybe the future of Jabari Parker. That's but right. But first, yes. we have something to give away, John. That's right. I've got a four-pack of general admission tickets to Summerfest. It happens June 27th through July 1st and July 3rd through the 8th. And uh, a reminder, the Drew Olson Show will be out there pretty much like every day. And if you want another chance to win, check out the Big 920com But a four-pack of general admission tickets to Summerfest right now. Let's do caller number... Let's do number two in honor of the two-stroke penalty that Phil Mickelson picked up at the U.S. Open. Caller number two, it's a quick one, 877-729-1070, 877-729-1070. All right, good luck. Ted Davison for Mike Heller. We'll talk NBA draft with Matt Velasquez of the Journal Sentinel when we come back after this. The NBA draft is Thursday evening. Bucks for the second year in a row will be picking 17th. Right now they have no second round picks. Bucks have been in some ways more successful with their second round picks than with their first round picks. 
in recent years. Matt Velasquez of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel will be covering the draft on Thursday night. He joins us now here on the Mike Keller Show with Ted Davis. And Matt, at 17 this year, they at least need to get a player who can be a part of the rotation at the end of the year, do they not? Yeah, I think that's something that uh, that John Horsey talked to us today at the uh, at the Bucks practice facility. He, he made that kind of clear. That's what they're hoping for. That's what they're looking for. Uh, they want someone who can come in and contribute uh, right away. It's a little bit of a change uh, from the way they, they their kind of philosophy in the past, where you know you look at you know how they got Giannis, they were looking for upside. You know how they got Don Maker, they were looking for for upside for a project. DJ Wilson obviously didn't play much at all last year. Uh, they're they're kind of hoping and banking on him developing and, and growing and having some upside. Um, so you know, with John Horst saying, "Hey, we want somebody who can come in and play right away," you know, he's kind of drawing a different picture of uh, of what they want, which is you know they they need that help in in their rotation uh, because obviously it wasn't there last year, and it's something that they definitely could use. In your opinion, why did DJ Wilson not work out last year? He didn't play much at all in his rookie year. And then you go back and you've had Rashad Vaughn, who was also the 17th pick in the draft, and not only is he not on the Bucks, but he's not in the league right now. Uh, in particular with D.J. Wilson, why did that not work out for him last year, and can he be a part of the rotation going forward? Do the Bucks think he can develop into a key player that they can move forward with? You know, I think one thing with D.J. Wilson is, you know, where would you put him positionally? You know, some teams might say, oh, maybe he could be a five or a small ball five or whatever. Um, but more naturally, he'd probably be a stretch four. Um, and in that situation, you know, Giannis plays the four. And Giannis plays about 40 minutes a game. And so you're not, you're not giving DJ a very uh, open opportunity uh, to get minutes. And obviously that won't change going forward. But that means he'll, he'll need to adjust his game and be, um, be better, especially as a shooter uh, and a, a decision maker and, and definitely as a defensive player. Uh, it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Who they can rely upon, and, you know, I think those things... Yeah, uh, when he did get out, get out of the court in the rare times he did, uh, you didn't necessarily see see that see the op- option for for him to get out there. Obviously, even moving Chris Middleton to the four when Jabari Parker came back, him playing at the four, uh, those players were 
generally a better fit and gave the Bucks a better chance to win. So when the Bucks played as many close games as they did and had to come from behind as many games as they did, it just didn't open up um, you know, the opportunities for him. And they're hoping that he can develop and he can still be a high upside player that can work his way into their rotation uh, hopefully sooner than later. And I know that's what Horst was talking about today. Um, but for now, like he's still in the kind of developmental and, and private stage. Matt Velasquez of the Journal Sentinel has joined us. He covers the Bucks on a daily basis. You mentioned Jabari Parker, and a lot of what the Bucks are going to do in the offseason hinges on what happens to Jabari Parker. What kind of an offer does he get as a restricted free agent, and do the Bucks match it? Your best guess right now, will Jabari Parker be back with the Bucks next season? Uh, my best guess um, would be yes, but kind of with the caveat that I don't see them just letting him go for nothing. Uh, I think that if a team made him an offer, and there aren't a ton of teams out there that could offer him um, the kind of substantial money that the Bucks wouldn't be able to match, I guess the question would they want to match uh, a, a, an offer that he would receive. Um, but, you know, you look at it and you say, okay, well, you know, he was a second overall pick. He does have upside. Uh, he still has plenty of skill. We've seen that. Um, and, you know, letting him go for nothing or, you know, not being able to call someone's bluff on an offer or just someone offering too much money. Uh, it just seems difficult. It seems like the Bucks probably find a way to at least find a side and trade with him uh, you know, and, and try and move him that way if they're, they're going to move on. So I, I think that, yes, he'd be back, but as the caveat being that if they can get something in return, then maybe, maybe they, they take the opportunity to find maybe a better fit or someone who they believe can be a better fit. It, it's a... Uh, as you know, it's a complicated situation that could end up myriad ways, and uh, definitely the, the biggest question of the summer. Kawhi Leonard says he wants out of San Antonio. He wants to go to the Lakers. In my opinion, if I'm the Spurs, I don't trade him to the Lakers and help them form another super team that I have to deal with in the Western Conference along with the Rockets and the Golden State Warriors. So a lot of speculation that if the Spurs trade him, They'll trade him to an Eastern Conference team. Your thoughts on that, and could the Bucks in any way be in the conversation about Kawhi Leonard? Yeah, I think it makes sense that the, you know they might prefer to trade him to the East. Obviously, I think that they would. Hopefully, you know, I think that their their goal would probably be if we're going to trade him, let's try and get the most possible return. Uh, and I don't know if the Lakers offers that most possible return, uh, even with the the number of, of young players that they have. Um, you know, you look at teams like Boston and just the picks and the young talent and just all the different guys that they have, you know, maybe they can get into the mix. Um, you know, the, could the Bucks get in there? I mean, theoretically, I guess. Um, it's going to be, it's going to take one of Chris Middleton or Jabari Parker or both to get into that conversation. And in terms of um, the high-level prospects and picks and things that other teams are able to offer, um, the Bucks really can't offer their first-round pick next year because it's already uh, potentially going to Phoenix. So that takes that out of the equation. Um, and you know the the number of assets the Bucks have, you know, is fairly limited. If you're looking at you know um, you know players outside of Giannis, so you're going to have to give up a lot to get a top-five caliber player in the NBA. I mean, I think that's um, you know it goes without saying. So I think it would be difficult for the Bucks to get involved and to find a, the right deal, uh, but definitely not impossible. 
The Bucks right now do not have a second-round pick, and they've had a lot of success with second-round picks. Malcolm Brogdon comes to mind. He was Rookie of the Year. You can buy second-round picks in the NBA. There are teams that are willing to sell them. Do you think the Bucks will be active in that area in trying to pick up a second-round pick? Yeah, I think they very well could be. I think it, it depends on you know if, if they keep the first-round pick or if they use it to trade down maybe later in the first round and get a second-round pick in return, uh, or if they just want to buy a pick. I think that's definitely a possibility. Um, it would give them, you know, a guy on a cheap contract that they'd have control of for about, you know, three years, uh, and be able to, you know, hopefully add to the team right away. Um, they have the money for it. I mean, uh, out of the, the budget that every team gets, I think they have three point three million left. And the most you can offer for uh, a second round pick is three point five, and last year they got Sterling Brown for one point nine. So, you know, they have the money; they can do it. Um, there's definitely some talent down there. John Horst was saying today that you know he believes deep draft. And he, you know they've done their due diligence. They've brought in guys who are projected second rounders. Uh, you know to possibly you know jump in and uh, and get back into the draft and they have targets and guys that they that they like. Um, so I think that if the right team and the right player are available at the right spot, I think that they could definitely be active and been looking for uh, an additional uh, additional pick. All right, Matt, thank you. Uh, see you down at the draft on Thursday. All right, see you then, Ted. All right, Matt Velasquez of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel has joined us, and again, the NBA draft is on Thursday. You know what? Since we're on the NBA, John, now would be a good time for one of my Shaq stories. Would you like to hear my Shaq story? Let's hear one of your Shaq stories, Ted. Love it. Okay, pull up a chair, John, and I'm going to tell you my Shaq story. Uncle Ted. Uh, this was when he was with the Orlando Magic, and I had heard how big his feet are and how big his shoes are. And so we were playing the Magic in Orlando, and we're at shoot-around, and I'm talking to their PR guy. They had played the night before, so they were not having a shoot-around. So I said to him, could I go just look at Shaq's shoes? Seems like a weird thing to say, right? Kind of, and, yes. <laughs> and he goes, well, sure. So he takes me into the Orlando locker room. And sure enough, there's Shaq's locker, and there's Shaq's uniform in there. And he's got his shoes sitting up on the bench where... Shaq would sit to put on his shoes and it's just his shoes sitting there John you cannot believe how big that shoe was it seemed impossible that a human foot could be that big his shoes were preposterously large this is like he's like a 22 Bob Lanier had the biggest feet ever I think Shaq is right there with him not only was it long but I could not believe how wide it was, John. It it looked to me honestly like a pontoon boat. <laughs> I believe it. I've heard stories about Shaq's shoes. If you put a hundred horsepower motor on the back of that shoe, you could pull somebody to ski. You could pull a skier. And I was looking at both of these shoes, going, I cannot believe that a human foot fits into this. So the game starts that night, and I'm sitting courtside. Then that was back when I sat courtside. And I watched his shack came out on the floor, and I looked down at his feet, and his shoes on his body didn't seem as large as they were in the locker because it's proportional now, right? Right, yeah. It's on his feet, big body. So it didn't look so ridiculous. But I'll never forget the shoes just sitting there by themselves. And you were going, I do not believe that a human foot could be that big. Uh, two things. Have you ever seen pictures of Shaq's feet? Like his toes? They're kind of gnarly. Yeah, they look like a like a dinosaur or something. <laughs> um, 
And I've, I believe I've seen uh, like a replica of Shaq's shoes, like at the NBA All-Star Weekend back in the day when I was in Minneapolis. I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Got to go up to that. It was great fan fest. And um, I remember they had like displays of like Shaq's shoes and like a basketball with like the imprint of where Michael Jordan's hands would be compared to yours. You could put your handprint or your hand right uh-huh. on his handprint. And I think they had Shaq too. And everything about Shaq is just crazy. Like you can't, you can't believe just how big his shoes, his hands, everything is. And so when we go to the AmFam championship, I really want to stand next to him. I don't even know if I want a picture. I just want to stand next to him. Uh, Giannis's hands are extremely large. Yeah. And I was watching him in shoot around one day and he's just standing there and a ball came off the rim, you know, just like a rebound. Yeah. He reached up with one hand and grabbed the ball, just like plucked it out of the air with one hand. Like he's catching a softball. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was so bizarre. Just boop, one hand. Then he was holding it and then he tossed it over to somebody. Oh, so, all right. Uh, that's the three o'clock hour of the Tuesday Mike Keller show. I'm Ted Davis filling in with John Audius. Uh, the 4 o'clock hour uh, will be even better than the 3 o'clock hour. And the 3 o'clock hour, man, it's hard to beat. Uh, 4 o'clock hour coming up next after this. They're the end crowd. We're the other ones. It's a different kind of cloth that we're cut from. We let our color show where the numbers ain't. We're the paint where there ain't supposed to be paint. That's who we are. This is the Mike Keller Show. That's how we roll. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Keller Show. Now, here's Mike Keller. I will get high. Them. You told me you like them, but I, I just don't. I've never been a huge fan. Uh, you know, I'll go there if it's the only thing nearby, but if I have another choice, I go somewhere else. But if you want to go ahead and go there, that that's up to you, but I'm just not a big fan of their product. And Oh, hi, everybody. I'm Ted Davis, <laughs> filling in for Mike Heller today. You're joining a conversation that we had, quite spirited, yes. during the break about coffee and the coffee brands and the people who serve them because John is a Starbucks guy and I'm not. No, you say they burn their beans. They burn their bean, which makes it more acidic. So it has kind of a bitter taste to it to me when I drink their coffee. But if that's your thing, if you like a bitter bean, go ahead there, John, if you like the bitter bean. Well, I I will say this, and this all stemmed from, I said, hey, Ted, did you hear Starbucks is closing 150 stores in 2019? So now they only have, like, what, (laughs) 25,000? Yes, 150. (laughs) I'm not sure it'll make much of a dent in the whole Starbucks chain. but uh, And the thing I love most about Starbucks, I enjoy their coffee, but it's so convenient with the app. It's ridiculous. You just boop, 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 and you skip the line. I do it like sometimes the wife and I and the kid will go down to the farmer's market in Madison on a Saturday. We want to grab a coffee, you know, walk around or whatever. And I'll pop that into the app. I'll walk past like 25 people in line waiting, and I'll just grab my coffee and go. You know, those of us who are appless hate you. (laughs) It's the best. It really is. 
jumping the line. Do you notice them giving you the the hairy eyebrow when you go by? I never huh? look at them, but I'm sure there are some people. They're like, What's yeah, that you don't do? look at them. You, elitist with your app. Yeah. Everybody else standing in line. You with your elitist little app, walking, sashaying up to the front of the line, and you don't even give them a look. <laughs> uh-huh. nope. I just yeah, my head held high. Like whatever, <laughs> give me my coffee. See ya. But I will say this: you made a case for Dunkin' Donuts. That's the best coffee. Dunkin' Donuts is the best coffee. And they're all over the place. They're here in Milwaukee now. They don't burn their bean. They have a softer, better flavor of their coffee than Starbucks, in my opinion. Uh, And I I actually kind of agree with you because I'll say this. I remember the first time I had a Dunkin' Donuts coffee. I think it was in the Boston area, actually. I was on vacation. Um, And I had it. And I was like, whoa, this is, wait, this is Dunkin' Donuts coffee? Are you kidding mm-hmm. me? How come mm-hmm. I've never had Dunkin' Donuts coffee before? Um, it's so good, I think, that now when I go to Costco with the missus, otherwise known as she who must be obeyed, I get the big sack of original blend Dunkin' yeah. Donuts coffee, and that's what I have every morning it's with the, my cup of joe. First thing I did when we came back from vac- vacation, I went and bought Dunkin' Donuts coffee. And, um, yeah, I mean, I don't remember my first cup of Starbucks. I remember my first cup of Dunkin' Donuts. There you go. Coffee, so there you go. You know what also I don't like about having to go to Starbucks? Is because I'm not a fancy frappe, frappo, kappa, trappa, frappo kind of guy. I just want a cup of Joe. I just want a cup of regular black coffee. And whenever I say that to anybody at Starbucks, one of their, what do they call them? Their baristas? Yes. They look down on me. They're like, oh, okay, just we can do that. Is that all? Are you sure? Is that all? They seem disappointed that I don't want some crapo frappo kappa kappa frappo. <laughs> I was a barista in college at Winona for like a period of time. Um, this is 15 years ago or whatever. And coffee was still a big deal, right? Like people would get their specialty, you know, lattes or cappuccinos, nothing as fancy as what Starbucks does past that. And people would still get their coffee. I bet you we sold more coffee than we did the fancy drinks. And so it's kind of interesting. Now, now people, they sell more of the fancy drinks than they do the coffee. It seems when I go to my, uh, neighborhood McDonald's to occasionally get a, uh, like a, a McGriddle or something. Uh, it's hilarious just to see all the old guys over in the corner drinking coffee. Yeah, that's the new Apparently spot. they're there like every day. Yeah. I, I, if I ever get to that point, John, just, just go ahead and put me away. No, Ted, that's the great. I was just going to say, <laughs> I want to be an old guy someday. Maybe not necessarily at McDonald's. Be careful I, what you wish for about <laughs> the old guy stuff, John. Yeah. Okay. I want to be the old guy drinking coffee, meeting the other old guys, talking smack about everything. <laughs> Create our own podcast, record it at McDonald's, send it out on the internet. Like, old farts drinking coffee. Yeah, that should be a podcast. Cranky sure. old men drinking coffee. <laughs> that's what I, I think that sounds like fun, going up to you know the store and meeting the guys and talking smack and saying, oh, I got to go. Well, yeah. apparently if you go to the McDonald's where... Near where I live, they'll be there every day because they go there quite often. How much was a cup right. of coffee when you were, like, a kid or a young adult or a teenager or whatever? It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at MIDI Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. How much was it? Yeah, like a quarter, right? Uh, Maybe like less. a quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Now what, you're paying four bucks for something? <laughs> it's so crazy how much coffee has exploded in price. I know. We were talking about this the other day. And we get ter- we get so torqued up and tanked up about a tank of gas. You know, it's, oh my gosh, it's up to two eighty nine per gallon, and now we're paying four bucks for a cup of coffee. Come on. <laughs> but give me that $4 cup of coffee. I'm cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know what else I didn't? And, uh, Mike talked about this last week on the show, Ted. People get so worked up. You mentioned a gallon of gas. Like, pss, it's it's a nickel cheaper down the street. Like all of a sudden you're going to save 65 cents in your fill up and and you're cool with like who cares, right? Like I'm just going to yeah. go to whatever's most convenient. I'm not going to go out of my way to save 60 cents. Yeah, no. I, I go to the same gas station every time because it's near my house. Hmm. There, there you go. go. Uh Ted Davison for Mike Heller today. He'll be back tomorrow. You never said uh hello John Audius. Hey fellas, what's up? That thing okay. you made. What's yeah. up is the 4 at 4. Let's go. This is the Big Four at Four. The top four trending sports stories this hour. Number four. Have you been following the World Cup? Uh, no. Do you have a World Cup team? This is my number four question. If you had to oh. pick, do you even know who's in the World Cup? Might be a better question. No, it's, you know, I did not know you were going to bring this up. But okay. I do have a World Cup team that I like because of their uniform. Have you seen the Nigerian team's uniform? Uh, I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up right now. You should tweet this out on uh, the Big 920. They're called the Eagles. Okay. Okay. Look at that uniform. The 2018 Nigerian National Team home jersey. That is a good-looking uniform. Has it kind of got the the white arrow type of Vs or whatever? Yeah. It's green with the white arrows, and then the looks like they've got the eagle wings on the shoulders. Oh, look at that. Yeah, I didn't notice the eagle wings. Yeah. Man, that's pretty... Pretty dope, I guess. As snazzy. kids would say, yeah, snazzy. Another way. To say. So yes, uh, the old guys say snazzy, John. <laughs> There's uh, actually the young an article. Kids say dope. <laughs> There's an article. But I'm that. an old guy, and I the dope was a whole different con- connotation when I was younger. But now, as an old guy, it means something else. It still oh, means the other thing too. Here, here's an article from just uh, like seven days ago: How Nike turned Nigeria's World Cup kit into a fashion phenomenon. See. There you go. Everybody's talking about it, Ted. All right. Tweet that out okay. on uh, the 920 thing, and you can see the Nigerian team uniform. So, yes, I like Nigeria. How about that Colombian team, John? They did really well today. They lost 2-1. to one. But I think you got to dig deeper than a 2-1 loss because they got a player ejected in like three-minute three mark because he was called for a handball on a shot on goal, and then Japan got a penalty kick out of it. I don't want to hear excuses. I mean, that's like starting a round of golf and... The guy next to you says, okay, uh, you got to take your putter out of your bag, and I'm up by three strokes. 
now let's play the rest of the round. Like, yeah, that's just, okay. I mean, so if that guy wins, and you're like, well, of course he won. The other guy didn't have a putter in his bag, and he was down three shots to start. And what makes it even worse for John, who has uh, Colombian heritage in his background, is that they lost to Japan, becoming the first South American team to lose to an Asian team in the World Cup. So it's a first for Colombia, too. Like, ever? This is like a first time ever this has happened? Not the first yes. time since? Like In 19... a CONCACAF event. Oh, jeez. That's not good. And by the way, by the way if you're going to get me interested in soccer... Yeah. It's got to be like the NBA or the NHL or MLB. I can't, I, my head can't handle CONCACAF. <laughs> Just stick with World Cup. Here's a good thing about it, Ted. The whole thing, the whole match lasts like less than two hours. Like, you're in and out. Like you, you can't just, like, join. Like, I'll join it about an hour in. Well, you've missed almost the entire thing. So it's not okay. a long event. Like, you can get yeah. in and out in under two hours. Okay. All right. Um, a lot of flopping, though. But you're so used to you that. So you were asking me, NBA. do I have a team? Yes, because of their uniform, Nigeria. Okay. Yes. There we go. Number three. Uh, number three in our big four at four. Did you see this Chris Sheridan report? NBA writer. He now writes for a website getmoresports.com, but he put out that he believes there's a 0% chance Kawhi Leonard goes to the Lakers. Zero. He doubled down on his tweet when he said zero twice. So he lists all the teams, and at the end, he lists kind of like some wild cards or some that at least are worth mentioning, and he mentions the Bucks. And here's what he writes. If Popovich... Uh, Buford are dead set on sending Leonard to one of the least desirable places possible weather-wise, then the Bucks could be in play. I expect the Bucks to move Eric Bledsoe and Jabari Parker because Giannis does not enjoy playing alongside those two, but Pops probably doesn't want guys like that on his team either. First of all, did he have to take the gratuitous slap at Milwaukee because of our weather? Ugh. You've been trying to bust that myth for a while. It's so tiring, and I look, I grew up elsewhere. I grew up in a warm weather climate. I grew up in Texas. It is warm in the winter down there. But I've been up here for 21 years. And here's what I've observed in my 21 years in Milwaukee. Milwaukee is not the only cold weather city in the NBA, okay? It has been cold. I've been there, I know, in Minneapolis in the wintertime, in Detroit in the wintertime, in Cleveland, in Indianapolis, in Toronto, in Boston, in New York, in New Jersey, in Philadelphia, in Washington, D.C. Heck, there was even ice in Atlanta, Georgia one night. Milwaukee is not the only cold-weather city. It gets cold in Denver. It gets cold in Salt Lake City. Heck, San Francisco can be kind of cold. Portland can be rainy. Every place has bad weather except for the far southern teams. So stop with the Milwaukee references. The worst storms I have been in are the Nor'easters on the East Coast. Their blizzards are far worse than anything I've experienced here in Wisconsin. There, I'm done. Boom. I think that's the key point. Like, because obviously, if you're playing for the Bucks, you're going to be there in the wintertime, right? But you just made the great point. Like, those snowstorms that hit the East Coast, like... Those are boogers. So we just forget about that it snows there and it's horrible and you can't get around. Like everybody uh, forgot about that weather and just. Oh, now was, you got me yeah. sidetracked. What was the question? Oh, I know. <laughs> kind of reaction to what he had to say about Leonard to the Bucks. Yeah, um, I don't think the Bucks have the assets to pull off a Kawhi Leonard trade. And given what happened last year, I don't think I'm giving up a lot to bring in Kawhi Leonard because there was a real problem between him and the San Antonio Spurs, and the Spurs have been 
the no drama team for the last 20 years. They don't have this kind of drama in San Antonio. So what happened between Kawhi Leonard and Popovich, between the Spurs team doctors who said that Kawhi Leonard was healthy and could play, and Kawhi Leonard's doctors who said, no, he's not ready. And he pretty much missed the entire season. I think he only played in like eight or nine games. And now he says he wants out. Uh, he's a talented player, but I would be very wary of giving up a ton of assets that you have in draft picks to bring in a guy who had a problem elsewhere. So that's going to be interesting. I don't think the Bucks have the assets to put together something that would bring in Kawhi Leonard. I do think that if the Spurs had their druthers, they would move him to an Eastern Conference team. Because why would you want to help the L.A. Lakers get Kawhi Leonard? Perhaps that gets them LeBron James. Perhaps that gets them Paul George. That could be the first thing that could move the other two. And now you're San Antonio, and you're looking at, well, now we got to beat the Super Team Warriors, the Super Team Rockets, and now the Super Team Lakers? I'm not trading him to the L.A. Lakers, even though that's where... Kawhi Leonard wants to go. And by the way, with your attitude last year, Kawhi, I don't want to do you any favors. So I think they could trade him to an Eastern Conference team. Yeah. And in terms of this whole thing about Giannis not getting along with Jabari mm-hmm. and Eric Bledsoe, I'm not there for everything, but I was there enough to tell you that I didn't see any of that on the surface. If there was something below the surface, it was pretty low-key. So I don't know where that's coming from, but I do think that if the Spurs are going to trade Kawhi Leonard, I would send him east. I would not keep him in the Western Conference. There you go. Number two. All right, number two in our big four at four. This is something that's kind of interesting that happened in the world of Major League Baseball. It's one of those that's baseball moments. All right, did you hear about Juan Soto of the Nationals? I did not hear about Juan Soto of the Nationals, but you have. So let me give you a little bit of background. About a month ago, he made his Major League debut, May 20th. So he's a rookie. Yeah. Go back five days before he made his debut on May 15th. The game against the Yankees was suspended. All right? Okay. Now, on Monday, that game continued from May 15th. So suspended game, and they pick it up on Monday. And Juan Soto hits a pinch hit home run. That home run is not now considered his first career home run, but it does count as a home run hit on May 15th before his Major League debut. So technically, he had a Major League home run five days before his debut, but it's not his first home run of the season <laughs> or of his career. That's <laughs> baseball. These crazy, funny things happen in baseball, it seems, all the now, time. Okay, I'm, Okay, I'm trying to follow this. So the next home run he hits, is that considered his first Major League home run? Well, he has six this season. Oh, he has six. Yeah, so he already hit his first career Major League home run. I'm not sure when that was, after May 20th, I'm assuming. So this is like his sixth home run of the year, but technically it happened five days before he, you know, when you look back at the record books, it's going to happen five days before his Major League debut. (laughs) Because they resumed the game. (laughs) Uh, I used to watch Star Trek. Yeah, and one of their clever plot devices was the time-space continuum. Yeah, where you could just like go back and forth in time. Maybe baseball has discovered that. Didn't the NBA once replay a game because they screwed up a foul? Do you remember that? Not like fifteen years ago. Does that 
jog your memory? Kind of. Kind of. I mean, I've been in the league. Look that up. I mean, I've been in the league 30 years. If it happened 15 years ago, it would be when I was in the when I was in the league. Look it up, and we'll go to number whatever number one we are here. Number one. All right, number one in our big four at four has to do with the Brewers, who got shut out again and lost. That's one-third of their losses this season, Ted, have been shutouts, haven't even scored a run in a third of their losses. Is this a sign of what's to come, and how concerning should it be? Well, I don't know if it's concerning, but it it's the word I would use is puzzling, kind of weird. I mean, ten times to be shut out, that's a lot. Yeah. And sure enough, they got they got shut out last night in Pittsburgh, one to nothing, and had only two hits. Now they'll have these other games where they score thirteen runs, or twelve, or twelve, or ten. So when they hit, they hit. It's like multiple trips to the buffet table when they hit. But when they don't, it's a complete power outage. I think the only thing that might concern you is Let's say they don't win the division, and I still think the Cubs are going to win this division, although the Brewers, they're right there. But let's say the Brewers end up being the wild card team. They've got to do that one-game play-in, and they have one of those games where the hitting just goes silent. And that's it. It's your one game, and you're out. Even though you had a great regular season, Boom. One game, you're out. Yeah, that is that is one of the things like I would be concerned about. I think it'd be a total bummer if at the end of the year you look back with the 15 shutouts or whatever the final number is and say, man, if we had only, like I don't know, scored a run or two in one of these close shutout losses, we might be in the playoffs. Or like what you just you know said, that scenario unfolding. Hey, I found the thing about the uh, NBA. So this is 2008. The Heat and Hawks had to replay the final 51.9 seconds of a game. Because the official score ruled incorrectly that Shaquille O'Neal had foul, followed out fouled out of the game, so the Hawks won at overtime December nineteenth, but they had to replay it, and I believe it flipped the uh, outcome of the game too. Wow, that was two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. They went back. It was like the second time since nineteen eighty two that the NBA had granted a request for a replay of a game. The other one happened in eighty two. The Spurs um, lost to the Lakers in double overtime. And for some reason, they had to refinish that game. And then San Antonio won it in overtime. 2008, I was here. I was doing Bucks games. Yeah. Wow. Why don't I remember that? That's that's huh? one of those, like, that reminds me of the Juan Soto thing. Like, it's kind of strange. Yeah. Like, you go back and replay a game or whatever. So Soto <laughs> had a home run. But there you go. All right. Uh, when we come back, Jeff Patricus of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel will join us. It's almost time for the Badgers to put the pads on and get ready for the fall campaign. We'll talk to Jeff Patrikas when we come back. I'm Ted Davis. Well, the calendar says it's June 19th, but before you know it, the Badgers will be putting on the pads. The pads will be popping at Camp Randall Stadium. And then the 2018 season will be underway for Bucky and the Badgers. Covering it all will be Jeff Patrikas of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And he joins us now. And, uh, Jeff, as we sit here in June, what is the number one storyline going into the Badgers' 2018 season? Oh, overall, that the expectations are very, very high for this team, both by the fan base and the people inside the locker room. Uh, although that's tempered a little bit, knowing that uh, they took a couple hits on the defensive line recently. 
with the loss of Garrett Rand to an Achilles injury, and then uh, Isaiah Loudermilk um, rehabbing right now from knee surgery late in the spring. So they've got to move some pieces around, find some bodies up front uh, to help that defense out. Are there any question marks going into the season that you can see? Oh, yeah, all, all along the defense. I mean, they, they were, you know, at the end of spring, we knew that they were going to have to replace basically seven starters. So you had question marks up front. You had question marks at outside linebacker, question marks in the back end. Um, you still have to answer those question marks at the linebacker and defensive back level, and now you have even more question marks uh, on the defensive line, whether you can hold, hold up against the run. So, But on the, on the positive side for Wisconsin is that they expect to have an offense that should be pretty damn good I think it should have the capacity. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Once it gets going and settled in, to be both explosive and have the ability to hit teams with big plays, but also control the ball if needed with a good ground game. When the season starts, is it the usual suspects in the Big Ten? Will the competition be Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State? Well, it'll be interesting because two two of their crossover games are roadies against Penn State and Michigan, which are going to be very demanding tests. Um, I'm curious to see who is going to be Wisconsin's greatest threat in the West. Now, Purdue really surprised people into Jeff Brown last year. I'm curious if they can take another step. Is Northwestern a legitimate challenger? Um, what about Iowa? Because Wisconsin has to go to Iowa to open Big Ten play. And Iowa's got some question marks. Um, but if they can pull off an upset in that first game, that's going to put them in a good position. Talking to Jeff Patrikas of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, talking about Bucky and the Badgers. Uh, because I'm on Twitter and I keep seeing all these tweets from Graham Mertz, and I know he hasn't signed with the Badgers, but he seems pretty committed, this talented quarterback. Uh, He's already won how... two Heismans. Come on, Ted. <laughs> hey, Twitter can build you up in a hurry. Uh, how good can this guy be? You know, obviously they like him. He was a kid they targeted early before a lot of the, the large schools extended offers to him. Um, but, you know, let's remember, he's going to come in in 2019. You know, who knows what the quarterback depth chart is going to look after the 18 season if Alex Hornibrook has a good season and is still healthy, you know, avoids any injury. You're going to have Hornibrook. You're going to have Cohen. You're going to have a guy who's coming in from Ohio with the 18 class, Chase Wolf, who they also really like. Um, so my, I, I always put up the caution light. You know, I, I understand people are excited about his rating and the offer list he got, but you just wait to see till whether it's a quarterback, a tailback, a wide receiver. Wait till they get on campus. See how they fit in. See if they're comfortable, and 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 let them get settled in 
before you start making wild predictions. Do they like him? Yes. Does he have a lot of talent? Yes. Let's see what happens when he gets here. Uh, speaking of, of Graham Mertz, and like you said, you don't know what the quarterback situation may look like. You know, the NCAA has that, what, that new rule where you can play um, – like even more, right, before declaring a red shirt? I don't know. You if can I'm play just... up to four games and, and not lose a year of eligibility. Right. I mean, is that how, how will teams take advantage of that rule? Well, I think it's going to vary from, from team to team based on your personnel needs. For example, if you have a veteran team and there's not a lot of room for younger players, you might not necessarily need that. If you get hit with an injury at a certain position, maybe you lose a couple guys, your top two guys in the depth chart. Uh, maybe it's late in the year and you need to finish off a season on a high note or finish off strong. Maybe if that kid's ready at that time of year, you say, okay, let's plug him in there for the last three games, see how he does, and we, we don't lose a year of eligibility. Or maybe it comes down to winning a big game, a championship game. You, you take a couple hits right before the Big Ten championship game, and you're really hurting, and you use a kid for one game. that Before, his red shirt's gone. Now, that's changed. Yeah, I think it could be pretty interesting on how teams decide to do that. Now, back to recruiting, and because I just saw, right, it was Samar Melvin is, a, yeah. I believe, a four-star recruit out of out of Florida. I mean, how, how significant is it that the Badgers can land a four-star player in, in, in Samar Melvin? They've landed four-star players before. Mm-hmm. They're going to land four-star players again. It just varies by position. Now, they, they've had success with um, – First of all, players out of that his school, St. Thomas Aquinas, and out of the state of Florida, defensive back. So, and I think the key here is Jim Leonard, both as the secondary coach and, and defensive coordinator, I think has, has quickly developed a reputation on the college level where kids know who he is because of his history, both at Wisconsin and in the pros. And he's a really he's a smooth guy when he talks to people. He's really engaging. He's it, it's not a lot of hype but he's just very solid, got a good personality. I think that will draw players, you know, at his position group who want to play for him. On a basketball note, uh, how relieved were the Badgers when Ethan Happ decided uh, to take his toe out of the NBA water? Uh, You know, you always want to get arguably your best player back, but I'm not sure I would use the word relieved because I think throughout the entire process, Ethan was getting the same type of feedback from NBA people that I think the Wisconsin staff had given him. And so I don't think it was really any surprise. I mean, a kid can always change his mind and go against the green and say, you know what, you people are telling me I'm probably not going to get drafted or not going to get drafted until late in the second round, which is not what I want, but I'm going to roll the dice anyway. I think they were pretty confident that he would get the type of feedback he did and that he would listen to it. He wouldn't go against the feedback and say, screw it. Um, I'm rolling the dice. So I wouldn't say relieve because I, I just think they were pretty confident all along he was going to make the decision he did. If he continues uh, to improve and he has the upward arc on his career, do you see him as an NBA player? You know, I, I see him getting a shot in the NBA. Now, obviously, the NBA would like to see him have a face-up game. It doesn't even have to be from three-point range. It could be a mid-range game. Okay, there's, there's ways he's got to expand his offensive game because he's not an explosive guy who plays above the rim. But he can find his niche as a defender, as a rebounder. The guy can handle the ball in the open court. Um, so I'm curious to see how much his game changes this year. Because remember, he's, he may want to expand his game, but you're probably not going to see him take a lot of threes because they're going to have, they should be healthy this year 
with more perimeter shooters, so they won't need Ethan to go out from the perimeter. Um, but, yeah, he's going to get a shot with somebody because, I mean, it, it's not like they told him you have no chance in the NBA. They just said, look, you need to go back and work on your game. Otherwise, if you come out now, you're going to get drafted really late, if at all. Yeah, I, when people ask me about stuff like this, I go, look, John Luer has had a, what, 10 or 11-year NBA career, yeah. and I didn't necessarily see that when he was coming out. No, the, the biggest difference between John and Ethan, obviously, is that John could shoot from, from the perimeter when he got to college. And that's one thing Ethan hasn't been able to show. But Ethan can do a lot of different things better than John could in college. Uh, Jeff, thank you for your time. Enjoy the rest of the day, and we'll talk to you next time. All right, guys, take care. All right, that is uh, Jeff Patricus of the Journal Sentinel, covers the Badgers that's on a day-to-day basis. That's funny, by the way, you bring up John Luer. Like, we kind of forget John Luer's in the NBA sometimes, don't we, as Badger fans? I think I think we do. Maybe I'm just speaking for myself. Um, and it was Draymond Green over the NBA Finals that uh, gave praise to John Luer. Did you hear that? Where Draymond Green, just a couple of weeks ago, said... Um, I don't know exactly what the the whole gist of what they were talking about, but he admitted that there are weaknesses in his game and that the guy that gave him the biggest problems while in college was Badger's big man, John Luer. Wow. Yeah. Okay. He said John John knew about it, too. He knew I I couldn't play against him. So, Um, John has been in the league since 2011. So he's been in the league. How long is that now? Was it eight, seven years? Seven years. I thought it was ten or eleven, but Close okay. To 10. Yeah. Seven years. Um, I'm looking up. Do you realize John Luer has made fourteen million dollars in the NBA? That's it. <laughs> it's not bad for seven years. I mean, he started slow because he was a second round pick. Yeah. Uh, Four seventy three first year with the Bucks. Then up to seven sixty two. Then nine sixty seven. Then up to a million, and then up to almost eleven million dollars. John, he went from a million to eleven million bucks. His contract is going to pay him about ten million each of the next two seasons. So that would be twenty four, thirty four. That would be thirty four million. You know, NBA so, okay, contracts you get, are the greatest. You get, man. you get eighteen, sixteen, eighteen of that after taxes. Yep. Manage your money right. Boom, done. Set for life. Will he get one more contract? Will he will he, he be a thirty some year old six ten yeah. guy? Yeah, he could. Yeah, so it's good living if you can find it. Next time you talk uh, Rays with uh, the bosses here at the radio station, John. Yeah, just point out that John Lure went from a million to eleven million dollars <laughs> a year. Okay, come on, man. Give me a, come on, man. Put more money on the table. Give me a couple extra <laughs> bucks here. <laughs> I'll use yeah. that next time I'm negotiating. Okay. I'm just trying to teach you. I'm you know, sit at the knee of Uncle Ted and I'll I'll learn you some things, okay? All right. And and speaking of that, when I come back, I'm going to give young John Audius marriage lessons. How to get by in the tricky world of being Married, and I have a few pointers and a few tips that not only are going to help John, but the rest of you out there who have to deal with the missus, otherwise known as she who must be obeyed. And that's coming up next. I'm Ted Davis in for Mike Keller.
I'm not sure if we're having some issues there. Ted, you're on? Yeah, John, can you hear me? Yeah, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> huh. We're back. Uh, I was talking. You couldn't hear me? Couldn't hear you at all. Uh-uh. Well, we're back. I thought you just really liked the music bed. No. You know what? The I never heard the music bed. Oh. You know what we call that in the business, John? Technical. Gremlins. Oh, gremlins. Yeah, sure. Yeah. No? Okay. Well, I guess we're back. Boy, that was a smooth transition. <laughs> At least once an hour, we got to have something mess yeah. up, apparently. All right. So this past Sunday... The Mrs. and I, otherwise known as She Who Must Be Obeyed, we celebrated, yes, I use that term, celebrated, our forty our 41st wedding anniversary, John, 41 wow. years. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So, how long have you and your betrothed been married? Why do you got to put me on the spot, Ted? How long have you been married? You surely you know that. Uh, I think it'll be eleven. Oh, man, I think it'll be eleven. I think it'll be eleven years. Oh man, you're failing already. It's September. Oh, Ted, why are you doing this to me? You can never forget the number of years. Okay. okay See, I'm, I'm gonna go give. Do, I got. I'm gonna give John marriage tips here. Number, I didn't know I had to break it down to the basics. <laughs> number one, don't forget your anniversary. Hold on. Let me, number let, let one, me don't forget how many years you've been married, for goodness gracious sakes. Sear that into your brain with a hot poker. I call okay? that a curveball. You just threw me a curveball. <laughs> she's not going to think it's a curveball, and she's going to come in high and tight with a fastball. That's true. Okay. That's number one. Number two, yep. and please take out a piece of paper and a pen and write this down. Okay. Here's what you have to do. We basically sit around and watch sports for a living, right? Mm-hmm. We get paid for it, and it's our job. And for the rest of you out there who are sports fans and who are listening now, basically that's what you want to do, too, on a weekend. You want to sit and watch sports and here's what's going to happen i know from 41 years of experience eventually she's going to come in she's going to have that attitude going and she will say this to you are you going to sit there all day and just watch sports okay it's coming that hadn't happened already it's coming and she'll say there are a lot of things around the house that need to be done and i can't do it all And the next thing you know, you're not doing what you want to do. You're not watching sports. You're not sitting on your butt. You're out there cleaning the gutters or something in the heat. Okay? So here's what you do, John. Write this down. Writing it down. Here we go. And I've been doing this. took me about uh, 35 years to learn this. So I was a slow learner. But now I got it. So here's what you do. When it starts getting warm... You wait for a period of time where she has to go out and do something. Uh, the best time is when she needs to go have her hair done, because that takes like two hours. Okay. Or if she's going out shopping with little Avi. Okay. Or if she's having a girl's day where the girls are getting together and having lunch. Okay. Okay. Anything that's going to take her away for a couple of hours. And you roust yourself up off your butt... And you go ahead and do something that you know she's going to want to get done anyway. So recently, on one of her sojourns, I went out and I completely cleaned the garage. 
I, cl- I mean, I got all the leaves and the, the cobwebs, and I got it all spruced up. Man, looked good. Organize it, See, too. When, yeah. when she comes home, she doesn't notice that it's been done. Another time, we had this green algae stuff that grows on your deck, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Okay. So she was gone. I went out there and not only got it off our deck, but I got it off the siding of our house, too. So all that kind of green stuff that's on the siding of your house, gone. That's gone. Another time, she goes out, and I I clean all of the windows that are on the water side, the deck side of our home, where we look out on the water and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So all of those are now clean and everything. So that when that moment came, and it came recently, where she came walking in, and there I am, sitting on my butt in my big comfy chair, in front of my big screen high def TV, remote control in my hand, seven steps from the kitchen and the bathroom, and she says... Are you going to sit there and watch sports all day? You know there are things that need to be done around the house, don't you? I said, well, I've been doing things. And I took her out and I said, look. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Garage, it's completely swept. Look at the garage. And don't use these all at one time. I said, the garage, I did that just the other day. And then I went over and said, look at the windows. They had been dirty. Do you notice that the windows are clean? She was like, oh yeah, they're, they're, they are clean. Oh, they said, we got a beautiful view. That's so, so nice. Next thing you know, I'm sitting on, on my butt again watching TV. Mm-hmm. Mm. So the advice is do some work every once in a while. Do some work every once in a while (laughs) when you want to do it, not when she wants to do it, so that when she wants you to do it, you don't have to to do do it. it. Here's where I think, um, here's a question, Uncle Ted. Mm -hmm. What happens if she goes, oh, wow, you did clean the garage. Uh, Why don't you mow the lawn now? Um, It's almost like replacing one with the other. Uh, this is why you pay someone to do the lawn, John. Okay. It doesn't have to be mowing the lawn. It could be like, oh, well, then why don't you uh, go do a load of laundry? Why don't you, you know, it could just be the next ta- task. The load Am I going to get doubled not, up on you? The load of laundry is not bad, John, because you can put it in the washer, mm-hmm. and while it's washing, you can still go sit on your butt and watch sports. <laughs> so I did on Sunday. Father's and day. then yeah. when you take it out of the washer and put it in the dryer, it's got to dry for what, like 30, 40, 45 minutes? Yeah. Go back. And sit on your butt and watch sports. And even when they're dry, you can bring them out to where you are, and you can do the folding and everything. And then during a commercial, you go put it away. You're still watching sports. She's happy, and everything is copacetic. You know what? I think you just uh, made me realize 
doing laundry during like a football game isn't mm-hmm. that bad of a thing. In fact, volunteer. Yeah, because then you get something done. You don't have to do it <laughs> during another time, and you get to watch the game. Right. Like that's, that's you know, honey, I think tech. I'll go do the laundry now. Is it the game yeah. on? Well, yeah, mm-hmm. but whatever. All right. That's a great idea, Ted. Oh, all right, like I'm just trying idea. to help out. Look at that. I wrote it all down. I'll try to implement it, that. Yeah. Live it, learn it, learn to love it. Okay? Got it. All right. I noticed here that uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken is going to introduce a vegetarian version of its fried chicken in the U.K. Hmm. It's fake meat. It's a fake meat version of the Colonel's tightly held original recipe of 11 herbs and spices. Fake chicken. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yummy. That, how does that, what is it, what, I don't understand. <laughs> it's just like a fake, you know how, how they have this, you go to like the salad bar and they've got the fake crab meat there. Oh, okay, imitation crab, sure. Yeah, this is imitation chicken. Vegetarian apparently. chicken. You know what, as, as awkward and weird as that sounds, I kind of want to just go taste it. <laughs> I go, what is this um, chicken all about? Do you know that Sweden has a soybean-based vegan burger at McDonald's? Oh, I'd like to taste that too, Ted. Why? Just to see what it. See, if, listen. I have the sausage patties that yeah. aren't meat at all. Yeah, and they're like they're like they're fine. They're 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 okay. really good actually. Then you'll be ready for the day. Oh, you'll have be your dream come true, John. When they have tofu tacos at Taco Bell. <laughs> tofu. Tofu tacos at Taco Bell. I doubt Jeff Patricus is going to get into those. Uh, now we're talking. All right. It's hour number two of today's Mike Heller show. It's on its way to the Broadcast Hall of Fame. So is the third hour, which is coming up next. John Audius is here. I'm Ted Davis. And we're back with the 5 o'clock drive home hour in three, two, one. We're out. They're the in crowd with the other ones. It's a different kind of cloth that we cut from. We let our color show where the numbers ain't. We're the paint where there ain't supposed to be paint. That's who we are. This is the Mike Keller Show. That's how we roll. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Keller Show. Now, here's Mike Keller. Two hours in the books, one hour to go on today's Mike Keller Show. Welcome back. I'm Ted Davis. Pinch hitter today, filling in for Heller. Normally, I'm the voice of your Milwaukee Bucks. And we'll be here until 6 o'clock, joined by John Audius, young John. Hello, John. Hey, fellas. What's up? What's going on, Ted? Uh, hey, fellas. What's up? Uh, I'm a little bit starting to get a little bit creeped out by, well, when Brainerd and KB left 3 o'clock today and I took over. <laughs> yeah. They had on my right. On the screensaver we have here in the studio on the big computer that I have over there, they had a picture of Bernie Brewer. Big picture of Bernie Brewer. And since 3 o'clock, Bernie Brewer has been staring at me, John. He never takes his eyes off of me. And here's the really, really weird part. Occasionally, John, 
I think his eyes are following me. I believe it, man. There's some weird well, stuff that goes creepy. on. Yeah, weird stuff that goes on with pictures. Yeah, looks see? like it's watching you. There go the eyes again. I'm telling you. You tweeted at him, right? I did. I tweeted at him, and we found out the numbers behind the mascots. So we found out that Bernie has more Twitter followers than Bucky, but Bucky has more Twitter followers than Bango. Is that what we found out? Yeah, so Bernie, in my in my opinion, kind of surprising that he leads the way of mascots in this state uh, with fifty six thousand followers. Bucky he has, has fifty six thousand on Twitter. Yeah, Bucky has wow. forty four thousand on Twitter. That's Bucky forty four. And Bucky's not verified either, which I thought was strange. But it says the official, and there's like you know forty four thousand people. Um, and then uh, Bango's last, like about twelve twelve and a half. Oh, that can't be. Bango's like the original. Well, maybe Bucky was before Bango, but Bango was before Bernie. Oh, come on. Look at that. Look that up again. If I had is to guess. Ver- <laughs> is that the verified Bango? That's, uh, I believe that's a verified Bango. Like, if you had asked me before the show, which mascots have the most Twitter followers, I would have said, well, Bucky's got to be number one. Because it's a statewide thing, right? Then probably Bernie. But I wouldn't have thought that Bango would only have about 12 and a half. I thought I Bernie gotta, and Bango would be pretty close. i got to look this up. Is it just at Bango? What is it? At Bucks um, Bango? I believe Bucks Bango, yeah. I think that's the at one. At Bucks Bango. Okay, he's verified. He's got the check mark. You're right, 12-1. Okay. Huh. Okay, you got to follow Bango. Let's see how many followers we can get Bango. Let's get Bucky some let's get Bango some followers cuz Bernie doesn't need any more. Bucky's got his 44k. We need to up the numbers for Bango. So that's at Bucks Bango. At Bucks Bango. Follow Bango. Let's push his numbers up. All right? Let's do this. Just imagine Bango sitting around watching TV and all of a sudden his phone starts buzzing. Mm-hmm. What's going on here? Twitter is melting down. <laughs> Why are all these people following me? Bernie, stop staring at me right now. By the way, I tweeted that out, the picture of Bernie at NBA Ted. That's where you can follow me. I'm at NBA Ted on Twitter. What are you, John, on Twitter? At John Adias Radio, J-O-N-A-R-I-A-S. Way too complicated, John. Way too complicated. I know. Hey, by the way, there is an Adias on the Columbia national team. The team that lost today to Japan, the first South American team to lose to an Asian team in the CONCACAF era. Uh, That is correct. Everything you said, I believe, is accurate. Yes. Just thought I'd point that out. Thanks for pointing that out. But I took a picture of it, and it was so cool hearing the name on television. Like, adios with the ball, and they're saying it like the correct way. Do you know what I have? Huh. Once, when I was with the Dallas Mavericks, we had a player. His name was Terry Davis. And we had another Davis on the roster at the time, so they had the other Davis had his first name initial on the back of his jersey, and then Terry Davis had T. Davis on the back of his jersey. Yeah. And when Terry Davis left, I asked the equipment guy, can I have that T. Davis jersey? And he gave it to me. No way. I have a a jersey (laughs) with T. Davis on the back of it. That is awesome. Yeah, I do not have an Audius jersey. You know, you should write that guy a letter and tell him you're some little kid who uh, his grandparents are from Columbia, your dad's from Columbia, and it would be the highlight of your of your life if you could get the jersey off the back of 
the obvious, the namesake. Yep, you, you lie about it. Tell him you're a kid. Just, just lie. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what I did went back when I was a kid. There was a uh, a guy playing for the Florida Marlins, Alex Adias. And I was like, well, there's an there's Adias in baseball. I collect baseball cards. So I was looking through the baseball cards. I'm like, I'm gonna send that into the Marlins. Sent it into the Marlins for an autograph. Brought it back. Autographed. All right. Now, I don't know if that was actually him or some random dude who got the mail and said, oh, let's make this kid's day. But uh, I still have that card. Uh, by the way, Tom Hodricourt will come up at 515. We'll talk about uh, the Brewers and why they can score 12 runs one night and none the next, uh, which has been happening to the Brewers. They got shut out again last night in Pittsburgh, played the Pirates again this evening. And I was watching the, the Brewers game on Sunday uh, when they were playing the Phillies, and it, it's late in the game. And the Brewers bring in a pitcher. It's a hot day. Very, very hot on Sunday, as you know. And the next thing you know, in front of 40,000 people on television, this pitcher walks off the back of the mound and barfs. Right there on the grass. And kind of embarrassing, because when that happens to you, you kind of want some privacy, right? You don't want to do it in front of 40,000 people, like he did. So I'm talking to John Audius about this, and he goes, how could we do a segment about puke? <laughs> yeah. And I said, well, okay, let's, let's think about this. Everybody has done it at one time or another in their life where you just, something ain't right down there, and you, you hurl. Like the hurler hurled on the back of the mound on Sunday. Just happens. But don't bump. So I said to John, well, how about if we, like, tell... Kind of an embarrassing puking story that we've had in our life. I hate this segment already, but yes. And John went, solid! Gold, Jerry, gold! So at 5 o'clock, as you head home for supper... (laughs) uh, We're going to bring back some memories of your most embarrassing barfing moment. So, I'll start, John. Okay, by the way, do you want people to call in? Well, if you want to. All right, at 877-729-1070, your best puking story. Or tweet at John Audius Radio, at NBA Ted, at Mike Keller Show. Okay, you go first. If you want to use a different name and have us block out your voice like they do on those uh, crime things, we can do that. (laughs) You sound like a guy who kidnapped somebody. Yeah. (laughs) You know that voice? So here's mine. And this this happened only three years ago. Um, it, It was during the buck season. We're on a West Coast road trip. We're in Los Angeles, and we're going to play the L.A. Lakers. And so, like I do almost every night, I go into the media room where they have a meal for the press, sit down, I have a meal, and then I go do the game. I do the game. Game's over. Feeling fine. I go get on the bus because we were flying to Salt Lake City that night. We had a game the next day against the Jazz. And I'm feeling fine on the bus. We get to the plane, feeling fine, even had a little bit of an appetizer they have there. And all of a sudden, about 30 minutes into the flight, I began to realize something was going terribly wrong. (laughs) And it was coming on fast. And I'm going, "Uh uh-oh, oh, Oh, man, this isn't good. This isn't good. And you know how you try to deny that it's going to happen? Okay, I'm not... I'm not going to do this. I, I can I can wait. I can get to the room. Whatever. So we're landing in Salt Lake City, and the wind is just whipping off the Wasatch 
I think that was the name of a song or maybe of an old cowboy western, Wind Whipping Off the Wasatch. But it's whipping off the Wasatch, and all of a sudden we're having these, the wings are going up and down, and not only am I getting food poisoning sickness, oh, no. but I'm getting motion sickness too. Yeah. So that by the time we land, it's not a matter of if it's going to happen, it's a matter of when and how much it's going to be and where it's going to happen. So the plane comes to a stop, and I'm in the media section, and we all get up. And now I'm like, I'm sweating because I know, and I'm looking around, I'm starting to panic. I look at that little bag they have in the seat, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm going, oh, that's not going to do it. And then I'm thinking, I don't want to throw up on all these people because that's about to happen. It's I'm about to blow, John. And I'm going, it's about to happen. What am I going to do? I don't want to throw up on people. And I'm standing there, and the next thing I know, it was like a movie fading to black. And all the strength in my body seemed to disappear. And the next thing I know, I wake up, and I'm on the floor of the plane with the trainer looking at me. And I go, holy crap, did I just pass out? He goes, yes, you did. So this is, this is a true story. So they get me off the plane. They get me over to the steps of the bus. And from out of nowhere comes an EMT team. Yeah, How long were you so, out? So I don't know. I, they said a couple of minutes. Oh, wow. So now they, they're thinking I had a heart attack or something. And I'm thinking maybe I did too, except I'm still feeling terribly bad. And so the EMT comes up to me, and I'm sitting on the steps of the bus, and he comes up and he's taking my blood pressure, which he said was off the chart, and he goes, boy, you look really bad. I mean, you have no color in your face at all. And I was like, yeah, I'm feeling very sick at my stomach, and I think I may need to barf. And he goes, well, okay, if you feel like you know, got to do it, do it. Well, sure enough. And there are people standing around me because they think I've had a heart attack because they're concerned. Now it's time for it to happen, and John, let me tell you, it was, oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't even want to know. You don't even want to know. I mean, it's I like know at this point. full. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Projectile, food poisoning, motion sickness kind of thing. And I'm, I'm doing it on the tarmac of the airport. And everybody just backs up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're just like, they're giving me room. So then I, I did it not only once, but then I did it again. And then I like did it again. And then I go, and you know, I stagger back over to the bus and I sit back down. And the EMT guy comes over and he takes my blood pressure and he goes, Wow, your blood pressure's kind of back to normal. And he goes, color's coming back in your face. I was like, yeah, I needed to blow. Yes. That's why I'm feeling better now. All of a sudden, you felt like a million bucks. 
I did. I felt better immediately. But everybody was convinced that I might have had a heart attack. Yeah. So they convinced me to go to the hospital that night. So next thing I know, I'm in an ambulance, and I'm going up the hill to the University of Utah Hospital. This is all happening after 2 a.m. in the morning, by the way. Mm -hmm. So I get to the hospital, and they do the EKG, they do the blood work, and they say, "I, I think you're fine. I think you just fainted. It was a flight or fright kind of thing that goes on where people faint. Mm -hmm. And so they weren't convinced that I hadn't had some sort of heart thing, so they made me wait another six hours, and they did more tests, came back and said, well, I think you're fine. They finally let me out of the hospital at 11 o'clock that morning. I went back to the hotel. I got maybe an hour of sleep, and the next thing you know, I'm doing a game that night. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that was my embarrassing moment, John. That was it. Wow, that's quite the ordeal. I don't know if I can live up to that. By the way, at 877-729-1070, we do have some callers who want to share their stories. Oh, good. And we might get into this, so just uh, bear with us, everyone who's listening, if you're queasy. Uh-huh. Um, well, Yours had something to do with drinking, didn't it? I, I might have had a few too many uh, Mountain Dews. Um, so, no. See, I knew that. <laughs> might have been in college. I might have been at a completely different space spot that i've never been at so it was a different city uh i was there with a a friend and so we went to this other house you know never been there before just having a a fine time and um you know we can't go anywhere so he's like we're just gonna stay here tonight i'm like okay we'll just stay here tonight i end up on the floor i don't think i'm had that many mountain dews but i mean obviously i was in college so i had enough um and all of a sudden i wake up in the middle of the night and i'm i'm you know i'm I'm vomiting all over this stranger's carpet on the floor. (laughs) And and I'm thinking, this is horrible. And then someone walks up to me and it's a police officer because this person's roommate was a police officer who was just getting off his shift. And I'm I'm, a bad day for you, John. I am so confused. I'm like, why is there a police officer looking at me right now? And so I I clean it up as best I can. I, I got a couple more hours. I woke up earlier than everybody else. I said to my buddy, we got to get out of here because <laughs> this is not a good situation over there in the living room. You know what cleaned up mine on the tarmac? Uh, what? The next rainstorm. The next rainstorm just washed mm-hmm. it away. So yep. I, we bolted, and I <laughs> I never uh, – I probably should have left a check or something, but uh, <laughs> for the carpet cleaning, I just bolted. I was so embarrassed, and I got yep. out of there. Haven't heard from him yep. since. Do we have people who actually want to share – yeah, uh, Zach and Madison called at eight seven 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 two nine ten seventy. Okay, this has got to be good. All right, guys, here's my story. I was camping about two or three years ago, um, and we we stayed up around the fire a little late. Had a, a few too many Mountain Dews, and uh, and we started making some pudgy pies and hot dogs and um, s'mores. And so, got pretty tired. Time for bed. I had a brand new tent uh, with my wife, and we had moved the air mattress in a different area. And so I woke up and my stomach was, you know, it was rumbling. Um, I, I felt I felt it coming a little bit. So I tried to get out of the tent, but I couldn't remember where the door was because it was the first time ever using this tent. Um, so I'm like feeling all over the walls. And um, yeah, I, I didn't find the door. And it came out all over the tent, all over my shirt, all over the, the floor of the tent. Um, mm-hmm. It was... It was a uh, it was humorous the next morning, but at the time that it happened, it was uh, it was a uh, it was pretty pretty bad news for 
for me that night. And the tent See, was that's where the panic away. sets in. Uh, John, that's where the panic sets in, where you can't find the door. Oh, gosh. I couldn't imagine. <laughs> a brand new tent. You're kind of confused. It's dark. You have no idea what you're reaching for. Do you, me out do, you realize, yeah. do you realize right now that at iHeart Corporate Headquarters, lights are flashing? It, it's DEFCON whatever. <laughs> in, in Milwaukee, they're doing a barfing segment. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Jeremy tweeted in at John Audius Radio, I once drank a flaming Dr. Pepper, I don't know what that is, and immediately <laughs> puked it back up into the cup and set it on the bar. Ugh. About 30 minutes later, I came back to the bar to order another drink and was like, what is that awful smell? Apparently someone had spilled it. Oh, all right. All right. Now that uh, you're heading home for dinner, and in honor of the brewer pitcher who barfed on the mound, upchucked on the mound... This ends our barfing segment. Are we done with it now? <laughs> yes. Because Tom Hodricourt is coming up next, we'll get back to finding out why the Brewers score 12 night, uh, runs one night and zero the next. Tom Hodricourt covers the Brewers for the Journal Sentinel. He joins us next. Ted Davis. By the way, when Mike is back tomorrow, John, and he says, what'd you do? He says, well, on the 5 o'clock hour, we talked about barfing. Yeah, whole segment on puking. Yep. All right. Back after this. The Brewers are in Pittsburgh again tonight to take on the Pirates. Tom Hodricord of the Journal Sentinel is covering it, and John is taking care of the business. Go, That's John. Right. Thank you, Ted. And our baseball insider, Tom Hodricord from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, brought to you by Westtown Monona Tire, where Ted and Brandon lead a top-notch team to serve you at the corner of Gammon and Odana and Left's Lucky Town in Tosa, your living room away from home. Ted? So I'm an expert tire changer. Ted is a great tire changer? Apparently. Okay. All right. Uh, Tom, answer me this question, because it's becoming a riddle. Why can the Brewers in some games score 12 and 13 runs and 10 times this year get shut out? Is that a trick question, Ted? (laughs) (laughs) I'm searching for the answer, Tom. What is it? Yeah, I mean, mean, who isn't searching for the answer? So uh, it's very hard to predict this uh, offense. You know, in my uh, online uh, analysis of the game, Journal Sentinel last night, and it's still online, I, put, I just pointed to their last five games as a microcosm of how unpredictable offense is. So, you know, they finished that Cub series with two straight shutouts, um, and they won the last one, one to nothing. One run that day, and it was enough. Then they took a day off. Then they opened against Philadelphia and scored 13 runs. And this was a game started by Jake Arrieta, no less. All right, so now you say, all right, here they go. They're cranking it up now. Then the next day they lose. Then the, then Sunday they score nine but have a rare bad pitching day and lose ten to nine. So that outburst wasn't enough to win. And then last night, nothing. So just look. Tell me how those five consecutive games. So when you ask Craig Council about this, on the nights when they get shut out, are they too aggressive? Are they taking pitches that they should be able to hit? Can he put a finger on it? Well, 
he's touched on this before, that they've just got too many spots in the lineup that aren't producing so that on nights when the guys who usually produce don't, creates a vacuum. And, and he, you know, went as far as last night saying that Kane and Yelich, you know, they're depending on them too much. They've been batting first and second most of the season. And, you know, he, he specifically mentioned that when those two guys go, the offense goes, but he says you can't keep doing that. You can't keep, you know, no, if every player plays good every night, somebody would bat 800 or 900, you know, but they don't. 800 is, is like, good, you know. So, they just, and, and Shaw, you know, has been out of the lineup for the bad days now. And, you know, so they're just, they've got too many gaps in their lineup. They're, the bottom problem all year they're not getting anything out of catcher and shortstop. And Santana is not having a very good year in right. They they're they're prone to to having bad offensive nights when their best players don't produce. And that's just putting too much pressure on a, a small group of people. And yet they're still tied for first place here in June as we talk to Tom Hodricourt. Covers the Brewers. He's in Pittsburgh today for the Pirates series. Covers them for the Journal Sentinel. Uh, last year, it looked like Orlando Arcia was going to be a superstar. He had the glove. He was making contact. What's happened to him? Is this just what happens in baseball, that one year you're hot and suddenly the next year you're not? Well, sometimes that's true with young players. You know, They don't always have an even... Um, Playing their first few years, sometimes they they you know struggle and then they have a nice year, then backtrack until they get a little bit of a track record uh, under under them. Um, I've noticed this year, and it's it's easy to see. You know, he got off to a bad start, and then I think he started pressing, and he just lost all plate discipline. He's always been a um, free swinger anyway. He doesn't walk much. You know, he only has eight walks this year, only four since April. Um, and he's just swinging at everything now. I mean, you know, it's you don't have to throw him a strike. He gets himself out too much. Gain a little plate discipline, a little ball strike discernment, and have some success and get his confidence back. Now, the one thing that you got to give him credit for is he hasn't taken it out into the field, which sometimes you see a player do. It's been fantastic. Uh, one of the better shortstops. In, and that's the conundrum for the Brewers, you know. What do you sacrifice defensively to put somebody else at short not as good? You know, because run prevention kind of works out to the same thing as run production. It's kind of like in hockey, you know, there are plus minus on the ice, you know. and uh, So if you're not scoring, if you're not producing runs, but you're preventing them, you know, that you can do that for a while. But it, it can't just be a total wash offensively. You know, you can't bat below 200. You know, so, um, so they got to figure that out. But that's going on at catcher as well with Pena, and it's going on with uh, Santana and Wright too. He mysteriously has lost his power. So, as you noted, you know we're picking nits on a first place team. But the point being, there's going to be a time this year where struggles. You know, you're not going. Their pitching's been fantastic, especially out of their bullpen. But even their starters have overachieved, probably from what people thought. They might not the Brewers. They've had confidence in them. But there's going to be a two-week period where the pitchers are going to struggle and not pick them up, and they're not in pickup mode right now. 
Well, let me ask you this. Let me put you in the position of David Stearns. And here you are very much in a pennant race. So if you were going to make a move around the trade deadline, would you go for pitching? Would you go for catcher help? Would you go for another bat? What would you do? Yeah, it's going to be hard to get a position player that wouldn't be a rental. For that matter of fact, a, a pitcher, too. You know, the, the pitching market for guys coming up on free agency is not very good. So they went for a pitcher that would probably be you know, somebody a little younger and that who they could control. Like the Cole Hamels of the world, you know, they're not pitched to, to sink a lot of prospects into. So my, my, uh, my take on trades, that the guy on the other end of the phone always tells you what's the smart thing to do by what he's offering and what he's asking. You know, you can want other thing, but if it's not available, then it doesn't matter. Or, conversely, if it is available and they're asking for way, way, way too much, how hard do you go? You know, they traded a bunch of top prospects to get Yelich. I'm not sure they want to wipe out their farm system further because they're all both this year and beyond. You know, so it's a delicate balance. One thing I think we can say is he's been a pretty good for the most part. You know, most of his trades have worked out. There's been a few that haven't, but he's made so many so, you know, most of them. So we'll see, but it's going to depend what's what's being offered and uh, and how much they want for it. So hey. What makes sense for you? You can't just... I compare it to somebody who, over, who maxes out his credit card at Christmas, and, you know, it feels good to have the present. Bills come in January, you go, uh-oh. <laughs> Is Jacob deGrom one of those guys? I know I heard the rumors are, are of, of deGrom. Is, is that... Yeah, How much yeah. of a possibility well, I, is that? I, I, I'm not sure that the Mets fans wouldn't turn in all their seats if they traded to ground. What you know? I mean, you, what are you going to get back from that's going to make him worth trading one of the best pitchers in baseball? The thing is, he has like a 087 ERA in his last ten starts, and they've won like two of them. You know, they just their problem is offense. So if they trade Jacob to ground, they better get some big league ready good hitters. You know, but um. All, all I can tell you is that, you know, the rumors that have already started just within New York that maybe the Yankees would get them are, are fun to watch, you know, because the Mets and the Yankees pulling off a big trade together, it's uh, it's not like that's going to be undercovered by the media. Yeah, I would, I would think so. Tom, enjoy the game tonight. Appreciate it. All right, uh, Tom Hodricord has joined us. And, you know, I heard you guys talking about uh, DeGrom yesterday, John, and when you started looking it up and the fact that uh, he would not be arbitration eligible until after, what did you guys say, 2019? Uh, 2019 is his first one, so I think it'd be like 2021, I believe, was his first year of free agency. So you With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'd have him under control if you got him this year for this year and for next. 19 and 20. I believe. I believe that's correct, yeah. So that's two and a half years. Wow. 
Would you do that? Given that you do have control over what might be the best pitcher in the National League right now, maybe in baseball, and the Mets might be in a fire sale, look, you rattled off what the Brewers might have to give up, which was, I believe, their number one prospect. Number two and number nine, and then one number other Number two player. and number nine. Yeah. Would most likely be what they might be asking. Yeah. Number one, number two, number nine, and somebody else. But he comes in here and does what CC Sabathia did for the Brewers in that playoff year where he was lights out. I'd be tempted. I would be too. After we learned more about his contract, like that's if you can get a dominating pitcher like that and add it to this team this year, that could be super valuable. Now, I wasn't so sold last year on giving up potential prospects because remember trying to get like a Sonny Gray or Jose Quintana and you'd have to give up Lewis Brinson, yada, yada, yada. But DeGrom's numbers are way better than those two pitchers. And so to have that type of dominating pitcher, I'd have to give it a lot of thought. Now, I don't know what what David Stearns, if he's a guy that just looks at that and laughs and says, no way we're going to give up 30% of our top 10. I'm not sure if that's the kind of attitude, but I think it could be, I mean, it could be a game changer for sure. Hey, by the way, real quick, um, that was Tom Hardercourt, our baseball insider, and his time is also brought to you by Bobcat Plus and Butler, Appleton, De Pere, and Chippewa Falls. Boy, Tom has a lot of reads. I know, right? I know. It's crazy. That's, that's double reads for Tom Hardercourt mm-hmm. of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Um, earlier in the show... And this is based upon something that happened yesterday when I was listening to John and Mike. And Shaquille O'Neal is going to be part of the golf tournament this weekend, the AmFam Golf Tournament in Madison. Uh, He's part of the musical act, apparently, this weekend. And they were telling Shaquille O'Neal stories. And I told one Shaq story that I had from my NBA time. I will tell another Shaq story when we come back, and John, I think you'll like this story even better than the other one. Can't That'll wait. be coming up next. I'm Ted Davis, in for Mike Heller. They will be golfing at University Ridge this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It is the AmFam Challenge. This is the uh, Steve Stricker-inspired uh, event. And, uh, John, so they're going to have a musical act on, what is it, Saturday night? Friday and night. Ar- Sh- Friday night. Ario Speedwagon, and then Shaq's going to be there, too. Singing with Ario Speedwagon? Wow. Well, I think he's going to take the stage first. I'd have to double-check that. Yeah, I don't think they're going to do a, a joint venture. So he's going to be rapping? Either. I mean, he used to rap back in the day. I had his CD. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know if he's just going to be DJing or actually rapping as well. You know, given your newfound skill of rapping, I'd love to see you and Shaq side-by-side doing a rap. That'd be awesome. I just have to rapper, get... rapper, rap. Call me the rapper. I'd have to brush up on my Shaq lyrics. I could maybe perform one of his songs with him. So I'm listening to you guys yesterday, and Mike Heller told a Shaq story uh, about how he met Shaq, and 
Shaq stood up and blotted out the sun and was perhaps the biggest human being he had ever seen. And I told the story in the first hour about seeing Shaq's shoe just sitting at his locker without Shaq being around and how it was the biggest shoe I had ever seen. Not only was it like a twenty-two. But it was unbelievably wide. I said it looked like a pontoon boat. And you could not imagine that a foot could be that big to go in that shoe, but it was. And I looked out there that night when he came out, and sure enough, he had those sneakers on. And on his body, they didn't look as preposterously large as they did when they were just sitting off by themselves. So I have another Shaq story. And I think I was still doing... Dallas Mavericks games because they were playing at the old Forum in Los Angeles. And the game is over, and I go back to where the bus is going to be, and it's where the L.A. Laker players parked their cars. Mm-hmm. And what they would do is they there wasn't enough room to keep the bus down there full-time during the game, so the bus would back down this ramp after the game and then come down and pick us up, and the bus hadn't... Uh, backed itself down yet the driver had not backed it down and so i'm standing there waiting for the bus and here comes Shaq coming from the laker locker room and he's walking toward me and he's wearing a suit that i can only describe as trying to think what the color i could describe it was kind of a lilac color suit like a light pink suit. Okay. Very large lilac suit on Shaq. And as he's coming toward me, not only does he have the lilac suit on, but he's wearing a deep purple bowler on his head. You know, like they wear in England? A bowler, okay. Yes. So it's a lilac suit and a purple bowler hat on his enormously large head. And in front of him is like a security guy, and this guy was built like a refrigerator. I mean, he was six feet tall and six feet wide. And he's clearing a path for Shaq, and when you looked at this guy, you got out of his way because you didn't want this guy to mess with you. So we all kind of clear this path, and here comes Shaq, lilac suit, bowler hat, six foot wide, six foot high, security guard, and he goes over, and he gets into a sweet, kind of a cream-colored convertible Mercedes, and Shaq opens the door, he gets in the car, still wearing the bowler hat, and he starts to adjust some things, here's the mirror, and he's kind of adjusting the seat, and then he reaches over and takes the seat belt. And you know how you've seen movies where a doctor in an operating room will just kind of hold out his hand, and the nurse will slap a scalpel in his hand? Yeah, yeah. Here. There goes the scalpel. The six-foot-tall and six-foot-wide security guard is standing there, and Shaq does that thing like a doctor does, and the brawny security guard slaps his keys in his palm, And Shaq starts up the Mercedes, and as he's pulling up the ramp to head out into the L.A. night, after I'm sure kicking my team's butt in 12 different ways, 
where on the back of the car where the Mercedes logo would be on the trunk, he's got that Superman S logo that was his logo. It's lit up in blue, and lights are going around in circles around the Superman shack personalized logo on his Mercedes. John, it was the coolest car I've ever seen. <laughs> coolest car I have ever seen. Light and up he disappeared. Superman logo, huh? Yep. Yep. Kind of a blue light going around the Superman logo, driving up the ramp with his purple bowler hat on. There you go. There's my Shaq story. And I understand we're going to have a pinch hitter now. John's leaving. John's pulled the ripcord. He's out of here. Who's next? Pilch, are you in? It's uh, me. I'm here physically anyway. I didn't hear the pinch hitting announcement. No, pinch hitting for pinch hitting for John Audius, number 21, Mike Pilch. Is that in reference to, in deference to Roberto Clemente? No, it was just the number I always wore when I played ball. So okay. I'm keeping it. There was no real reason for it. It was just like, I don't know anyone that wears that number. It's a cool number. I'm going to wear it. The um, the Houston Astros used to be in the National League, as you remember. And it was great during those years for any team in the NL Central because over those few years, the, the last few years they were in the NL Central, they were so bad. They were doing this teardown, rebuild, and, of course, Brewers GM David Stearns was a part of that whole thing. Well... Then they go to the American League, and last year, they win the World Series. They are the World Series champions. And they're even better this year. So, right now, the Houston Astros are riding a 12-game winning streak. they got the longest winning streak in baseball. Weirdly enough, the Seattle Mariners are right there nipping on their heels. Mariners are playing very well. But the Astros are putting together some stats that are just... Ridiculous. So I looked it up. The Astros are number one in the entire league, baseball, American League and National League, in staff ERA. They have a 2.91 ERA. So their staff ERA is below three. The second best belongs to the Cubs. They're at 3.19. So Cubs 3.19, Astros at 2.91. That's quite a difference. Opponent batting average against the Astros starters is 208. That'll win you some games. In 660 innings, Astro pitchers have struck out 768 batters. They have only walked 190. So 768 strikeouts, 190 walks. That's some good pitching. Now, go to the other side where... The Astros are number one in the league in hitting. They have scored 388 runs and have allowed 230. So that is a plus 158 difference. That's run difference. They're plus 158. That is number one in baseball by a bunch. Uh, the Red Sox, uh, Red Sox are next at 108. And the Astros have won 12 in a row. And in a way, I think what we've seen from the Astros serves as good news for Brewers and Brewers fans. Because as I mentioned, David Stearns was a part 
of putting together that Astros team after they tore it down. He knows what he's doing. He's seen it before. And what Stearns has been able to do here is, I think, fairly remarkable in that he's been able to restock and rebuild the Brewers' farm system to where now it's one of the top-rated farm systems in baseball. But they've been able to stay competitive while rebuilding. That's hard to do. And he's pulling it off. They were competitive last year within one game of the playoffs, and now tied for first place with the Cubs. And a very good chance to be in the playoffs, whether they win the division or go in as a wild card. So Astros got it done. They did it the painful way. David Stearns is getting it done here, and it's not nearly as painful. As we uh, get set to wrap up the show today, I've I've got a story, and, and, and Pilch, if you'll have your finger ready, I've got a story of an ad campaign that went terribly, terribly wrong. A Chinese restaurant in England offered an all-you-can-eat deal as part of their opening ceremony. But (laughs) this deal has put the restaurant out of business in just two weeks. So here's what happened. The owner offered a loyalty card for 19 pounds British. That's about $25 American. And what he offered was unlimited food for a month. And what happened next was a whole bunch of Homer Simpsons showed up. Hit it, Pilch. That man ate all our shrimp and two plastic lobsters. Tis no man. Tis a remorseless eating machine. (laughs) So, Mike, uh, with the ad campaign underway, in two weeks... The restaurant found themselves $100,000 in debt. And now, they're going out of business. I'm guessing that's a business model that will not be be (laughs) duplicated anytime soon or ever again. For a month, I could see for a day. I could see for a week, maybe. But this guy went for a month, and as as I said, a whole bunch of Homer Simpson showed up. And he's $100,000 in debt, and about a month later, going out of business. I don't think All he right, thought Mike, that through well. Just kind of got it that a was not, Nope. All right, um, that music means we're out of here. Brewers, first pitch coming up in a few moments. We'll see if they can score some runs tonight. With the way they've been playing, they'll probably score 10 or 11 or 12. That's what they're doing right now. Mike Heller is back tomorrow with John Adias, and uh, I'll be down the road. The NBA draft is on Thursday, and I will be there for that. Bucks are drafting number 17. We'll see what they can get. Thanks for your time today. It is in the bank. It is earning interest. Have a good evening. Enjoy the Brewers game. See you next time.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.